Welcome back to another episode of The Tea with Nikki. We are pro-tea, not anti-coffee, but if you're having a glass of wine or a quarantini, that is fine too. I back you. Get yourself a drink, get comfortable, or you're welcome to listen to this interview in the background as a podcast, but I encourage you to switch over when it's the video as it is quite entertaining. I had the opportunity to speak to one of the most incredible women I have ever met. Her name is Aviwe Funani. I'm also lucky enough to call her a friend. Aviwe is the Program Monitoring Manager for Waves for Change. Waves for Change helps youths in rural communities and township area find other outlets and to take better control of their mental health. Not only that, she is a woman who wears many hats as she is the curator for the Global Shapers community in South Africa and she is the Facebook Global Lead. She is also <laughs> a winner of the Co-Create South Africa, Netherlands, Inspiring 50 South African winner. She was also nominated for Most Influential People of African Descent 100. And that's just to name a few things. We speak about mental health and the grapples that people face during COVID-19, as well as Aviwe's personal experiences. She's incredible, and I just want to take this moment to say thank you as well to Aviwe for being so open and honest and sharing your failures and your struggles. I know that it's going to go a long way and many people will appreciate it. Hope that you enjoyed. I want to congratulate you first on your article, the activist article. That was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. Hey. Amazing. And it was so funny. So I listen to podcasts quite a lot and I was just busy doing stuff. So what I like about the Daily Maverick is that they offer the listening functionality so it's obviously microsoft and um they can't pronounce your name so it was like Avwe. you know my cousin also called me and he's like you need to teach them how to pronounce your name i'm like it's automated <laughs> it was so funny but it was like punani and i was like Ooh. oh my gosh like everyone who listened to it was like oh your name gosh it didn't sound right so i'll just jump straight into it thank you so much for joining me i really really appreciate it i mean to speak to someone as incredible and inspirational yeah. you is mind-blowing <laughs> oh gosh thank you so much next like you um so yeah you're currently the program monitoring manager at Waves for Change. Uh, what is it exactly that Waves for Change do? So it's a surf therapy program. We are a mental health intervention and we use community-based mental health program to help children that have been exposed to repeat trauma events. So children that we work with are mostly from like high risk areas and we bring them to the beach and then using surfing and then using also meditation, self-regulation activities and play um, amongst the kids just to help them build their confidence, build trust in other people, develop like positive relationships um, and also have a sense of belonging and be able to communicate how they feel to other people because back home they don't exactly have a safe space so we try and create that safe space for them okay and then what is it exactly that you do for waves for change as well 
So I'm the program monitoring manager. So I manage the program here in South Africa. So the East London side, the Port Elizabeth side, Kailicha, Hout Bay and Musenberg. So I basically help oversee all those, um, the managers that are based at those sites. And did you surf beforehand? How did you find out about Waves for Change exactly? I can't even surf. <laughs> um, so I found out, I think being in the nonprofit sector, it's a very small community. So everybody knows everybody. Um, and I think the first time I encountered Ways for Change was at a community of practice event um, that was hosted by the Western Cape Game Changer. Um, and I met the CEO and one of, I think two of the managers that were there presenting. And that was the first time I had encountered Ways for Change. And then later on, um, I met their national director, just reached out to me a few weeks after and was like, they're looking for someone to fill a specific role. Can I come on board or would I be willing just to apply and see if it's something that I'm they're looking for and then that I'm also looking for. So it was a perfect fit. Um, I made the cut and that's how I ended up at Ways to Change. Amazing. How have you guys pivoted um, during the COVID-19 times? Because obviously you aren't able to have the children come to the beaches to partake in the surf therapy. How what yeah. to still be able to reach your community, engage with them and help them with their mental health? Yeah, so we have had to move all our children onto WhatsApp groups. So we engage with the children via their parents through WhatsApp groups. We send them our curriculum, which is a 12-month curriculum. So now we've formatted the curriculum so it can be done at home with a parent um, and not, a, not necessarily having elements where you're going to the beach and whatever, but the core principles of the lessons from um, the curriculum. And we've put them into these lesson plans that we send to the parents twice a week. Um, and then they have the sessions with the children. We mentor the parents and then the parents deliver the sessions with the children using the lesson plans that we send. Amazing. And I mean, you're also a woman who wears so many hats. Uh, you're the Global Shapers Community Curator for the World Economic Forum, the Facebook Global Lead, uh, Knowledge Exchange Session Speaker, and you've been nominated for Most Influential People of African Descent 100 and the Co-Create SANL uh, Inspiring 50 SA winner. And you studied... <laughs> systems at the University um, of the Western Cape, which I mean, doesn't have any sort of correlation to the things you've done. So I think the question comes, when did your journey into community and NGO work begin? Yeah. So it's about 2016. Um, I was actually, after I graduated, I worked in a marketing firm and I was the project manager there and I stayed there for two years. And then afterwards, I just thought I wanna work full time with youth 
And I left my job and I started working with Dream Factory Foundation and that's how I found myself in the sector. And also I feel like when I came into the sector, it helped me discover more of myself. So the stuff that I'm doing with like the Global Shapers community, um, other stuff that I've been able to do within like my community, it's just been the fact that now I'm, I'm doing that what is my passion. So it's easy for me to be like, mm, I don't need to just do this from like nine to five on a Monday on a Friday, um, Monday to Friday there, I can do it on weekends. I can still like take the stuff I'm learning at work and go help other people in my communities that don't necessarily um, have or the ability or the resources that we give to the children that we're reaching. And also, I know that you're going to be part of a launch for the Global Framework for Youth Mental Health with leaders from uh, UNICEF, the World Economic Forum, and Australian MPs. Um, that's launching next yeah. day, if I'm correct, 27th? Yes. Yeah. And can you tell us a bit more about this initiative? How did it come about? How are you going to be involved in it as well? Okay, so this is um, the launch of a framework that a group of young people and myself have been working on since last year. So I only joined the team later on at the end of the year to help them in terms of editing the framework and also putting in like my lessons in mental health. And we're basically, we've put together an advocacy toolkit for young people around the world for advocating for mental health. This is anything from creating awareness on what is mental health to actually reaching out to policymakers that actually can prioritize mental health and funding for mental health and also for young people who want to create mental health interventions in their communities all of that is in this toolkit um, and on Wednesday we will be just speaking about what we've done in terms of putting the mental health framework together and then also how this has affected us and how other young people can use it going forward and what does mental health look like for young people in the next few years and what do we as young leaders feel needs to happen. So that's what's going to be happening on Wednesday and it is an initiative of the World Economic Forum and Origin, which is an Australian-based youth mental health organization and they were supposed to launch this mental health framework at the World Health Assembly, which is hosted by the World Health Organization, which was going to be happening in Geneva. But due to COVID, we can't travel. Um, and so we're doing it online. And yeah, so that's that's what's happening on Wednesday. Oh no, so were you supposed to be in Australia when they launched this as well? So you, your travel, unfortunately, um, due to lockdown, um, but at least you're keeping safe and staying home. But um, clearly your plans were affected. Were you going to go? Yeah, so everything's changed. Um, and I guess it's it's okay also because it, we now can reach a broader audience. Um, people can register and participate online, which is absolutely amazing because not necessarily everyone would have been able to attend um, in Geneva. It would have been in Switzerland, actually. Um, so, yeah, I just think there's a positive and a negative to it. The great part is that now more people can just participate. Yeah, and since this is a youth framework and you said how uh, we're currently being affected and leaders and creating this framework going forward for future youths, um, are you someone who struggles with mental health or you have previously before? 
So I have, um, and I think all of us in terms of, we all live with mental health, it's just mental illness, um, which is separated from having a good mental health state to a negative mental health state, which for me has been a lived experience. Um, I was diagnosed with depression, I think about nine years ago, 2012. Um, and it's it's been a journey. It's been a journey of recovery. It's been a journey of learning every day. Um, and also just a journey of finding myself and also being empathetic towards myself and others in this process. So yeah, it's, 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 it's part of my growth, I guess. So touching on about, you know, dealing with your mental health state at the moment, um, and you said you were diagnosed with depression nine years ago. How has COVID-19 affected you now in lockdown? How have you been managing your mental health state during this time? So it hasn't, I think like the first few weeks were really difficult because firstly I live alone. So when we went into like level five um, lockdown, that was just like weeks and weeks of me not seeing anybody, yeah. um, which was difficult in itself. Um, but I'm so grateful like for our organization because they organized um, psychologists to speak to us once a week online um, and also just creating safe spaces in my community whether it's with the global shapers community or at work um, just staying fit eating healthy and just also just watching out for times of the day when i feel like okay triggers for like in terms of like panic and anxiety and just keeping at the back of my mind knowing that this is not the end and that I've got a community of people to reach out to which I think is so important for everyone right now like we're all alone um, or isolated where but we don't necessarily have to be emotionally isolated from other people in our communities that's so 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 important especially for our mental health and speaking about communities and supportive structures was your household extremely supportive and open in talking about mental health because I know in some cases if you might not be alone you're isolated and in lockdown with your family but people aren't yeah. as open to talk about mental health and it can be a weird sensitive spot for some families and so those kind of conversations can sometimes be triggering for some people who are suffering what, what would so are you quite open with your family about it? Yes, I am. It's funny because at the time when I was diagnosed with depression, I think there was like a sort of ignorance about what is it. And I had like lost so much weight and, you know, parents just think like, okay, how do we help? We don't know or um, never seen someone with that's really like at the lowest of low in terms of depression. So it was difficult at that time. But I think the more I educated myself, the more I can talk about it jokingly. I can talk about it like with a sense of I'm in a safe space. They're willing to listen to me. If they want to ask questions, they can. Um, because I've spent time just to educate myself because I know um, that they might not have necessarily understood, but I can make them understand. Okay. And so that's obviously why you have such a passion for mental health and uh, creating these yeah. initiatives for people to be able to reach out. Uh, so what exactly. for somebody who's aspiring to get involved in NGOs, 
and these sort of amazing community projects that you get involved in um, who want to follow in these footsteps what would your sort of top tip be I'd say find your passion. You know, the nonprofit sector is not easy. It's not easy. And I see so many people just saying, oh, I have a passion to work with young people. I have a passion to work with women. I'm going to start an organization. And my greatest advice would be first, like test the waters, work with someone who works in an NPO, volunteer, give your time first so that you can understand the landscape of the sector because being in the sector you discover like it's it's not easy it's not easy there's funding issues there's skills issues there's a lot that goes on that um first of all if it's not your passion um then you can easily feel discouraged or even if it's your passion but you don't necessarily you're not equipped yet emotionally mentally to be in the space it can really be draining um so i'd really advise like with that passion of yours first give your time to other organizations or other um people or volunteer just so that you can cultivate a sense of understanding of what is it that you want to get into and when you feel like you're ready and sometimes you may never even feel like you're ready but just when you know that you've gained enough knowledge and gained enough skill then then go for it and i'm going back to the article that was written about you on the daily maverick where you said your parents have also been a wonderful guiding light as to your passion for empowerment and helping the community and feminism. Yeah. So apart from your parents, who has always been a mentor or an idol for you? Oh, my gran, my mom's mom. Oh gosh, my gran, I think just how, how much she's always been there for me, my cousins, like my family. And she's always been a sense of support even in her community. And that's been so inspiring and still is. And so she's like my hero. Mm -hmm. so you have these amazing female role models in your life, like your gran and your mother. Um, what... How would you define feminine leadership? What does it mean to you? Oh, gosh. I'd say it's leading leading with a sense of empathy. I think that's the one thing that mothers have that I think sometimes we overlook or we take for granted. The sense of empathy when you lead. Um, it's just so beautiful. And I think right now in the world, we need more empathetic leaders. We need leaders that can put themselves in other people's shoes and say, okay, if I did make this decision, how would it affect like 10 other people? If I said this, how would other people feel? So I definitely think we, we need that in terms of leading with a feminine perspective is is knowing that empathy is not a weakness it's actually such a great strength because it helps you understand people or want to understand people more and so how do you think in a social and business environment it could be more inclusive we can be more mindful to have these feminine traits um and qualities when uh, in a leadership position To just allow women to be women. I think for a very long time, we've said being successful as a woman is the less and less feminine you become. And, um, and that's not true, you know? 
there's so many times when we ridicule female traits, even from like school, even from, from university ads that we see, the way women are presented to us. Um, I just think it's been so unhealthy and also just toxic masculinity and what we say to men and like men don't cry and don't think with your heart, think with your brain, those type of things. I think those are such um, toxic things that we say and we, we put out into our worlds and they're actually not true. And so I think if we actually just go to the core of who we are as women and we say, you know what, there's nothing wrong with being feminine in leadership. There's nothing wrong even for men to tap into their feminine um, side because I think for all of us, we do have that sense of masculinity and femininity and for all of us, we don't necessarily have to be masculine to be seen as great leaders. Yeah. I think there's so much room for us to just embrace the fact that, you know what, you can be a girl, you can be girly um, and be strong and make strong intellectual decisions. And, you know, I think a friend of mine were talking a few weeks ago how it's so easy for guys, um, not all guys, but we've sensed like in corporate spaces or in workplaces where you you'll be told like don't be emotional or don't be such a girl and that's wrong you know what it is right to be a girl i will be emotional it doesn't mean that my emotions make me less intellectual um or there's no intellect or sense of intelligence in my emotions or how i use them so i think those type of things we need to change we need to change the system of patriarchy um that we have put up in terms of what it means to be successful i love that the abcs of your career so a what was your amazing affluent aha moment in your career journey? So my aha moment was, oh, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> um, papers, I think, oof, gosh, gosh, gosh. Let me find one that I know like changed everything for me. Mm. I think when I started working for Dream Factory and we had like this training workshop at the beginning when we started to work there. And I think one of those weeks, like just all the stuff that we were being trained on in terms of um, community work, that for me was like an aha moment. Like, oh, I actually, this is all I've wanted to do my whole life. I just could never put a, like, a name to it. I never knew the nonprofit sector existed, um, but it felt like I had come home. Oh, I love that. It felt like I came home. It's like, <laughs> all the feels. <laughs> um, yeah. And B, what was your bad business blunder? What was your failure, in a sense, then? Yeah, ooh, I've also had a lot of those. Um, so I remember when I left my corporate job and I started like a consulting business. Ooh, girl, I had so many blunders in that business. Um, but I think my biggest I'll remember was not like procrastinating and not prioritizing um, a client's work. And then they were like, oh, I'm taking my business elsewhere. And I was like, oh, no. I thought it like done 
that, you know, um, and it just taught me from that day, like the importance of time um, and that in the business world, like deadlines are deadlines. Just because you know someone doesn't mean you can be like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, because at the end of the day, they also have a schedule. So that was my biggest blender, but I learned so much from it. Um, and yeah, now like I celebrate, I celebrate her and I think there's, there's so much that we have learned um, and I've grown so much. And I also think for her, she's grown so much. She just taught me so, so much in terms of just, just respect. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, but it's, it's because it's important for us to learn that people do have failures. There are bad business moments and they lessons. It's not that now suddenly the world is collapsing around you. It's a mistake and it's a failure. Yeah. They happen. Yeah. You learn, you grow. Exactly. Exactly. And C, what was a comical, cinematic, worthy cock-up that happened to you? <laughs> oh, I don't want to tell this one, but okay, I'll tell it. Um, it's very, it's very silly, but it actually happened to me. So, um, I usually like, like to dance and like, I'm usually the dancing noisy person in my office. And so this one time, like I was wearing a wig and like I was dancing in the office. Um, and my... This <laughs> is going already and I love it. <laughs> And I had forgotten that I had loosed my wig at the back because it was so tight during the day. And I was like making a noise and my wig like flew back. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so funny because we had um, this guy, like we had two interns. One was from Italy and one was from Germany. And I remember like the Italian like intern looking at me like, oh what happened to her hair and i was like i'm sorry dude like <laughs> south africa we lay our hair like picking my wig up and putting it on my head and be like oh that was horrible <laughs> that is definitely cinematic worthy i love it. i can just oh, it was, it your hair and then it goes with you <laughs> i know oh my god it's like it was so bad and the one thing she's like oh my gosh have you wear your pants <laughs> It was horrible. This actually brings me now to our challenge section. Uh, and talking the way you and I met was actually at uh, one of my best friends' 25th, 25th birthday. 25th. So about a year ago. And I just remember meeting you and I just, the, the theme was Queen. And I saw you and I just thought that you were, you're so quiet and you know, but you carry this confidence with you as well. And I was just like, oh my God, she's like a queen herself. Like, I just remember you beautiful energy about you and you just rocked up. And then when we were all dancing, you were just, you were in your zone, eh? Like, you were like, oh. <laughs> I loved it. Now it's our challenge time. Since we're not doing a dance, I've been partaking in a uh, 25 push-ups for 25 days for to raise awareness for mental health. And Viwe said she's going to do this. So I need you to prop your phone up somewhere so you can film yourself doing these push-ups. And I'm gonna move. Okay. Wow. Okay, so it's 25, right? Yes. I'm gonna put this over here. Oh, you can see where I'm holding my oh, team. Oh, wow. 
This is going to be horrific, guys. Oh. But anyway, we're doing it for mental health. Even in, in, in leggings, I was ready. It's business on the... I'm only ready. Yeah, on the bottom. <laughs> I wonder if you can see me. Okay, yeah, you can. Okay, let's go. One, two, three. with just a quick fire round where I'm going to ask three questions. You haven't prepared for these. Uh -huh. And you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. So, cool. three books that you recommend that influence you your whole life. Okay, so the one is Undeterred, The Six Success Habits of successful woman it's a very nice book i forgot the author now and then hmm, half of yellow sun by chimama ningozi and then i'm reading at the moment oh the fourth industrial revolution um by klaus Schwab. okay and three favorite instagram accounts that you're following right now Oh, goodness. Hmm. Think quickly, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I like to follow a lot of, like, funny stuff. Yeah. So, so I'm following um, Leslie Jordan. It's called The Leslie Jordan. I think he's absolutely comical. Um, and then I follow... Oh, I'm following Megan Rapino. She's the captain of the USA women's team. And uh -huh. then um, I love DJ Zintler's page. I think she's absolutely cool. Oh, it would be your sort of daily ritual. I have to da, 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 have a fruit like every day. I love that. Have a fruit and drink some green tea. That is like my, I can't not do that. Oh, I should have had green tea rather than peppermint tea. You should have told me I would have made some. <laughs> now you know. Uh, next time we have tea together, hopefully it'll be in person. Yes, please. 
I'll make us some green tea and then we'll have green tea together. Well, thank you so much, Abiwe, for taking the time out of your day to have a chat with me. This was incredibly insightful. And thank you for being so open and honest and speaking to us about mental health and then also about your personal strives that you've been dealing with. And I'm so excited to see the projects that come and then just following you daily. Yeah. The inspiration that you constantly provide. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Nikki. I love you. I'm so proud of you for this. And like, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm still in such awe after speaking with Abiwe. She has this cool, calm, collected stature and carries herself with this quiet confidence that is just so graceful. I want to take a moment again to just extend a very warm thank you to Abiwe for coming on to the Tea with Nikki and being so open and honest and showing that there is strength and vulnerability when speaking about her grapples with her mental health illness and how she's overcome it. I think a key takeaway from this is that it's okay to not be okay. There are communities and support structures that you can reach out to, whether it be an organization such as Waves for Change, or your friends, or having that conversation with your family. But most importantly, you need to get comfortable with it yourself. I would like to highlight what she said about feminine leadership, that one of the qualities is empathy and understanding others and those around you. And especially during this COVID-19 time, it is so important for us to acknowledge what others are going through, especially in a business and social environment. On the next Tea with Nikki, I will be speaking with Kate Nichols, who is an ex-actress, an ex-line researcher, a current author, and has her own online school foundation. In her novel, under the camel thorn tree, she talks about her time in Botswana where she was researching lions and homeschooling her five children. Unfortunately, she undercame a devastating criminal attack. And in the novel, she addresses how her, she dealt with it, how her family dealt with it and how they persevered. I will also be speaking to her about this, how she deals with her PTSD, how she perseveres, her outlook on life, but also how she is currently running her online schooling foundation.